had to go through an I I am human check on Forge World. I can't prove <laughs> that I'm human. I can just prove that I can identify bicycles in pictures, which I would think a robot would also be able to do. So, well, my my favorite of the like are you a human versus robot thing is there's one of those like Boston Dynamics robots where like they gave it a stylus and and it's now able to like hit the thing so that when it sees the are you a robot, the robot is able to pick up the stylus and press it and move on. And I'm like, that's you annoyingly bastards. stupid. What, you <laughs> they, dumb they, bastards, what have you done? <laughs> they, they, they need to change that little checkbox to a little turtle on its back that you <laughs> click on and it flips over. Why aren't you helping, Leon? <laughs> I'll tell you about my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that now has even more books to review. Wee! I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And yeah, so we got two supplements in one week. Uh, we mm-hmm. knew that that was coming down. I don't think we were expecting them to be coming right at the same time. I thought, I was thinking maybe spread out throughout the month, you know? Like one every two weeks? Yeah, something like that. I think that's reasonable. So we are going to have to further delay our series on uh, getting started in 40K for another couple episodes. And then we'll probably have to do it again because by then we'll be in December. And that's when we're going to get Death Guard and Blood Angels. And I'm guessing we're going to get another double event. It'll make a uh, it'll make a brief cameo to this to in this episode. So spoilers, dude. Just saying it could. (laughs) I guess it could. It could make a cameo. Well, in fact, you know what? I'm going to make it have a cameo because we're going to transition directly into uh, news and new releases. I, ex- well, I suppose I should tell people. So we're going to talk about one of those supplements today, specifically Death Watch. Uh, we're going to take a look at what they've done with Death Watch and how well it hues or deviates from past uh, Death Watch codexes. Uh, but first, as I said, news and new releases. And we're going to talk about uh, the new releases that tie into getting started in 40k and that is combat patrol boxes uh with the two new supplements space wolves and death watch each one of those got a new combat patrol box which are going to replace the start collecting boxes as new as updated uh codexes come out and these are actually referenced in the supplements themselves or in the codexes uh that is their now. That is officially their example army of this is how you can get started playing this army. Yeah, no, I like this. Like, I think the the including it in the in the codex and kind of using it as a sample is is a very good way to incorporate it. Yeah, it's it's right there. It's immediately accessible. And they've and- set up that five hundred point combat patrol rule set in the main rule book. So just here's your box. Get going. Mm-hmm. Right. Although it's not quite, they don't both quite come out to 500, but yeah, it's clo- it's very close. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Close enough to where, and one of the things that I think I've, I've often found with like new players, list building is like one of the kind of challenging hurdles to like mm-hmm. just get at first and having a box that 
it is just a list essentially right out of the box. It's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it definitely gives you a starting point, and then you take that and your book, and then you can kind of figure out, do I want to go continue to go down this path, or do I want to add in some of these things from that aren't used here, or you know, or that kind of deviate from this? Yeah, it gives you, uh, but it, it's a solid foundation, and of course, they're leaning heavily into newer models whenever possible. I mean, both of these uh, Combat Patrol boxes are pure Primaris boxes. I mean, that's always been the case, though. They're always using these boxes to show off the, the shiny new models. So True. Wow, if, cool if, model. If they, wow, if, cool if they have new models, though, Kevin. Well, that's why Eldar don't get ever get new starter boxes. <laughs> one day, they suck. One day you'll get a, a start collecting box, and it'll be glorious, and they'll redo your line, and everything will be perfect. And it'll all be jet bikes or wraiths. <laughs> also possible. Also possible. Um, so or, these or, bo- or wraith okay. jet bikes. Ooh, I like that. I like the I, idea. Yeah, I like that idea. I like how you're thinking, sir. <laughs> now you're thinking with portals. But uh, yeah, these new boxes, they are noticeably more expensive than the start collecting boxes. They are yeah. $140 instead of the 90 to 95 However, when we've been looking at like what you need to get these boxes up to like five, you know, start collecting boxes often up to 500 points, you have to add in another $50 box unit anyway. Mm-hmm. So really, it's got you right at the same kind of starting point for a combat patrol as you know we were kind of looking at to get someone up to 500 points. So it's really not that far off. Yeah, like effectively the start collecting boxes, and they were obviously all a little bit different, They but they had about four units, typically an HQ, a troop, and then like either another troop or something else, but like four units. With each of these combat patrols, it's basically five units. You get an HQ, you get 10, you know, infantry, which you can use as one or two squads, which is kind of a standard thing. And then you get something else. So like in Space Wolves, you get the Invictor Warsuit and Death Watch, you get Aggressors and Apothecary. But like they're all, you know, they're both coming out to right around that 500 point level. Yeah. And uh, value wise, some people have calculated, and they both come in right around two hundred dollars worth of me- worth of models for one hundred and forty. Mm-hmm. So you're still getting a good deal. You're getting effectively one of those units for free. Yeah, yeah. And then like the way that I calculated it with you know I counting up the points and stuff, just like we did for the other ones. You know, I've cal- calculated it using the models as they're kind of on the box. But there's some there are some options for like Death Watch. You've got options to take different bolt weapons. You've got some options with like what the aggressors can take the space wolves. You've got, you know, some other options as well. So like there are ways to kind of tweak the points up and down, but yeah, for the most part, you're going to come in right at 500 points, which is what it should be like. That's a really good deal. And, you know, as we looked at the the method we were using before, which is that kind of points per, you know, per dollar, they both come in right around, you know, kind of right in that mid tier of what the start collecting boxes came in at. So you're getting roughly the same value that you were on all the other boxes. Yeah. But, you know, with the added advantage of it, you don't have to buy anything else to get them up to a combat patrol. Yeah. I mean, so. they are they are literally play right out. I mean, well, I mean minus assembly and such. Uh, but sure. they're, they're, you know, the list is built, put them together and play them as they are on the box and you're good to go. Yeah. And then and- where you choose to go from there, you know, will just depend on what you want to do with... With those armies, you know, for Space Wolves, if you want to go in and add, you know, more Space Wolf assaulty things, like there's plenty of options there. With Death Watch, you've 
there's infinite options on where you can go and where you can add things in. So, uh, they're both really good starters. Like they're both really good bases for, uh, for these armies. Yeah. And, uh, so to, to cover what they're, they're made out of the space wolves combat patrol is a Primaris Lieutenant. And this is specifically the Lieutenant that was out of what tooth and claw. Was that the set? Yeah, tooth and claw. Um, no, he's armed with a power axe. He's, he's got a nice beardy space wolf face. Uh, and then an Invictor Tactical Warsuit, which is a pretty nice add-in. Yeah. Ten Primaris Intercessors. Uh, five Reavers, which you could also assemble instead as Hounds of Morkai, which is a new anti-psyker unit that the uh, Space Wolves have. And then you get a couple of the uh, Primaris upgrade frames to make sure that you've got the appropriate bits on all your uh, Primaris Space Wolves to make them appropriately Space Wolfy. Yeah. And so you really de- you really get a sense of this is more of a, a scouty, aggressive, in-your-face list right off the bat. And then the Death Watch Combat Patrol is a Primaris Lieutenant, a Primaris Apothecary, another 10 Primaris Intercessors. So that's going to be your, your troop choice in both of these. And then a unit of Primaris Aggressors. And then, again, a couple of uh, Death Watch upgrade frames. So this is more of a move forward and shoot mm-hmm. type list. Which are both thematic for how each of these armies play. Like, Death Watch is more of a setback and shoot. Space Wolf are more aggressive, get in your face. Yeah. And as we'll talk about later, uh, the Death Watch list actually simplifies things a bit because it does not play with all of the toys and options that, like, if this was using Death Watch veterans... Mm-hmm. We'll, we we will talk about that more in the second half of the show. But again, these are just very easy ways to drop right into uh, into an army. And it'll be interesting to see what other armies look like as we get this treatment. And we like we've talked in our uh, Get Started with Chaos episode that Death Guard does not currently have a start collecting box. Well, we know that Death Guard will have a combat patrol box coming yeah. up. So obviously that'll be there. Um, we know that uh, the Blood Angels one has already been leaked a bit, uh, but we don't like it, which means there's a, a list of. Uh, well, heck, uh, we already have a photo of it, so I'll just go ahead and tell you what it is. It looks like it is a uh, Primaris Librarian, um, two, uh, another 10 Primaris Intercessors, because of course, mm-hmm. uh, a unit of Primaris Aggressors. And then uh, an impulsor, so the uh, the El Camino truck. So they get there. That'll be the first one that gets a vehicle. Well, no, I guess not the second one. This will be the first one that gets a non-walker vehicle. How about that? Right. The first one that gets a transport for sure. So uh, yeah, we're we're getting kind of a a feeling of what these are going to look like. And again, the and the value on this one based on MSRP is around two hundred and forty dollars. So you actually get a really good deal if you buy that at 140. So yeah, they're they're willing to take a bit of a hit on uh, potential profits to get these into new players' hands, which is fantastic, and that's what they really should be doing. Yeah, no, these are really good. This is a really good way to do like the starter, you know, to kind of the you know to do a starter product. I don't love the the 140 dollar price point, but it is a good deal. I think I would prefer for a lower point. Of entry, but you know, I, I think it's kind of an all-in-one get started. It's a it's a really good deal. Well, and and it's one of those situations where 
like I said, you know, you'd have to add on to a normal start collecting box anyway to, mm-hmm. to get playable. Uh, the one thing about these is because of the HQs that are included, they are harder to just double up on and go. Right. But again, if, if your goal is just to play a game and 500 points combat patrol level is perfectly viable now, thanks to like smaller board sizes and missions designed specifically for combat patrol, 500 points, you don't necessarily have to look at expanding this right away. You've got a lot of gameplay you can get with just what's in this box or, you know, what's in each faction's box. So this is an interesting way to get, and they are putting more models into it than they did in the start collecting boxes. So it's not just like a price hike with no benefit. Yeah. No, it's still a good deal. And like in, in several cases, it's actually, you know, it's actually a better deal because you're able to, you're able to include, you know, something like an impulsor, which would never have been included in a start collecting box. No. The only the only concern that I have is that we've you know we've talked about it in the past. You're not just competing with other miniature games for for new players. You're competing against all forms of entertainment. So, you know that ninety dollar seventy five dollar whatever you know that it's been in the past starter box competes pretty well with like buying a video game. Now you're looking at a price point that's double most most brand new video games. That's my hesitation is that I hope they didn't set the price point too high to draw off new people for kind of doing that, that impulse buy of, well, I want to play this. Yeah, I'll drop 90 bucks on it, you know, and, and, and see what this game is. Um, I don't know. Like that's, that's, that's the only concern I have about it. It, it is still a really good deal, but you know, there's, no, like no said, I'm sure they did it, the market research on it. It's a it, no. It's an absolutely fair concern. Uh, you want to be very careful about setting the the bar of entry too high. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, with the wild variation that we've seen in what value you get out of start collecting boxes, I think making them all standardized at price yep. and and contents worth, at least as far as like points and power level is worth that extra increase because in many cases you would spend far more than $140 getting them actually playable. So no, that's true. That so is it, true. It's and, and with the cost of, I mean, video games, uh, there's a lot of talk now of we're the $60 threshold, which new video games have been at for years now may jump to 70. So yeah, it's going to have to, because video games have been at that same price for way too long. Right. Um, yeah. So no, I, so, it, yeah, it's, so, it's, and, it's a mixed bag. And on the flip side of this though, like there are still, as we mentioned before, the actual starter products, you know, to get into the game that are cheaper than that. So, yes. So that, so I, I think it's, I think it's fine. I think in the long run, it'll be, it'll, it'll be good for them to like, again, be able to get out that consistent standard, uh, starter box for each faction. Uh, but I do view these now as a little bit, I do view these as a little bit different than what the start collecting boxes were, were kind of at, which is like, okay, if you want to get somebody into the hobby, you point them here. I view these now as like, if somebody wants to start a new army, this is where you go. But I don't know that I would necessarily, if that's necessarily where I would point a brand new player, that's not sure that they want, you know, about the hobby uh, initially. Yeah, but once we get more of these on shelves and they are are packaged and, and presented as these are 
these starter products for particular armies, mm-hmm. it'll get far easier for somebody to go into either a local friendly game store or a games workshop store and be able to say like, okay, so what looks cool? Okay, what you know, what army looks cool to you? Oh, that one there? Okay, this is a playable army you can buy off the shelf. You buy that mm. and your book, and you're done. Yeah, true. And, and you, well, and a copy of like the the core rules, but you just like buy the tactical mission. Well, I guess the 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 tactical missions books and chapter approved books don't have army building rules in them. So yeah, yeah. you need a core book. But- There's still some extra stuff you'd need, but yeah. But like, no, I I do like the simplicity of it uh, because it's kind of an all in one simplicity. So there mm-hmm. there is that, but. Uh, yeah, I, I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong. I hope that the higher price point doesn't doesn't push people off it. But uh, like I said, I don't think they would have done it if they thought it would. So, yeah. And as you said, these are more uh, targeted at actually getting getting people to play an army rather mm-hmm. than just collect models. And I do think the start collecting boxes were really more the the to get you to buy models rather than buy game pieces. If that makes How- sense. How dare you accuse me of just buying these to buy models <laughs> <laughs> well i mean how many of them have you actually played with dude i know you have a problem i'm not gonna talk about that that is a leading question <laughs> <laughs> not that i have any any room to to criticize that's that it this interview's over <laughs> it wasn't an interview but okay oh well shoot <laughs> um but that's not the only thing that uh came out this week now mostly this week right now we are in uh more Age of Sigmar stuff. Uh, they've got a new uh, set of like campaign books getting ready to kick off and things like that. But we do have the new Forge World Imperial Armor Compendium, uh, which is only available through Forge World. Uh, you do actually have to order it through them. Although, if you happen to live in Dallas, like some people we know, you can just go to the Citadel and pick them up. Yeah, they, they were actually sold out because they only got enough for the pre-orders, but somebody returned theirs while i was there so i was able to pick one up nice it, it didn't have like nice, a dinged so. corner or something yeah the corner is is kind of bent and like it was like not bent but i mean you, you can know when you crush a corner in shipping or something yeah, yeah. and they wanted a pristine copy correct yeah, their their loss is your gain you yes it was i was i was very very happy because i'm actually very pleased with this book it has a lot of changes I, we can't go over all of them, but oh no, no, this, it's, that's it's a lot of different, <laughs> and I'm hoping that it it makes more of these like usable and playable. Nice. That that sounds a lot like the story about how I got my start, my sister's uh, army box. I just went into the GW store like just for a reason. Like I was there, I'm like I'll swing by and, and say hi. And the guy in front of me was returning one of the limited edition start his sister's like army boxes, still in the shrink wrap. And was like, yeah, I pre-ordered it, but I didn't tell my wife, and uh, I have to return it. (laughs) (laughs) So he got it, and like the guy took it and like put it on the shelf, and I was like, so that just got returned, right? And he's like, do you want it? I'm like, yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I will call out a couple of things that are relevant to our interests. First off, the town R is not nearly as awesome as it used to be. Womp womp. It got it got toned down. Yeah, probably rightfully so, but yeah. uh, it lost a ballistic skill. It lost macro weapons. Macro weapons are no longer a thing. So no doing extra damage to uh, other super heavies, which that's sad. I loved being able to one-shot knights. 
<laughs> with my uh, Pulse Ordnance Driver. Although I do like that the Pulse Ordnance Driver, you actually have, they are counting each of them separate. So there are three of them that you can independently target. Oh, that's is, cool. Which is pretty cool. Um, and I mean, they're still nasty. The concentrated fire is 90 inch heavy two strength and AP minus four, five damage. So it ain't bad. And with a good right. round of shooting, you'll still probably, you can still do some massive damage to a knight. But the biggest thing that it lost is the battle suit keyword, <laughs> which Ooh. is, which is fair. It really should be a vehicle. Yeah, that's fair. Cause the, um, the other one, the other big Tau battle suit, I, the, the storm surge. Thank you. Storm surge. I'm like, I completely blank on the name. Yeah. The storm Sh- surge doesn't have battle suit keyword anymore either. And it shouldn't either. So that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, it does make most of the stratagems no longer work for it. Although, the way stratagems are getting reworked, who knows how to look when the... I'm assuming that these were written with a new Tau Codex in mind. I would and like so. all, all of these uh, rule sets hopefully have that in mind. I mean, it is less expensive, and it's now just a flat cost of 1,000 points regardless of configuration. So it doesn't matter what weapons you put on it. It is just 1,000 points. But it is not nearly as cool as it used to be. I'll still play around with mine, though. It's still fun. Yeah. Just a flat half your army. It's fine. Speaking of the points that got reduced and makes things playable, Zarekniel is much cheaper now, and I'm very thrilled by that. Yeah, when I, when I got the book, I'm mm. looking through it, and I saw the the price on her, and I just I sent a message in chat saying, they did the thing. I, I And I was super happy. Now that I got the book, it's like, uh, she's lost some of her abilities, but... They were not abilities that you'd really use much anyway, so it right. seems cleaner and everything. So that, that's the one shout-out I'll do. The second one is the Wraith Seer. Yeah, the Wraith Seer got moved from HQ unit to a heavy unit. And the other thing about it is it also um, doesn't cast its own special powers anymore. It actually used the um, Ruins of Battle. So it's just more standardized. Yes. And just a basically a variant uh, Wraith Lord, effectively. Correct, right? yeah. I mean, the... The downside of that is you can't make an all-wraith army, because that was the HQ you took if you were doing an all-wraith army. Now um, you can do, you'd still, you'd take what, a, God, what is it, a Spirit Seer? Yeah, you'd have to take Spirit Seers. Um, the other thing you can't do anymore is you can't have incomparable hunter thing with a D-cannon saying, hey, I can target your characters, because that's my warlord <laughs> trait, with a D-cannon. So, can't do that anymore. I'm sad. That's probably best to not have that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I can't I can't argue with that. A um, couple of things I will note, uh we finally have something that we've been wanting for a while and that is what chapter tactics do you use for the various uh Forge World specific uh Space Marine chapters? So for Red Scorpions, Minotaurs, Blood Ravens, Astral Claws and Carcharodons, they actually co- tell you like we don't know what like they don't technically have a success or we don't know who they're a successor chapter of, but you can safely assume that they are, they play like a successor chapter of this. And if you're using custom chapter tactics, they should use these two to match their style of warfare. And I'm like, that is really good. That is really nice to finally have. Yeah. And no, they're not all derived from the ultramarines, which is also nice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, uh, Red Scorpions and uh, Red Scorpions, Blood Ravens, and Astral Claws are, but Minotaurs are Imperial Fist successors, and Karcharodons are considered Raven Guard successors. Okay. 
All right, that's fair. Um, a lot of the characters made it across, but there's a lot of stuff that didn't, especially once you get into uh, Astra Militarum. Uh, Death Corps of Krieg lost a lot of models that they just no longer sell. But the flip side is they get access to like all the Imperial Guard stuff now. Mm-hmm. Instead of yeah, being like a weird cut side list. I think I was reading, they said something like there were 80 previous data sheets that are not in the index, but most of those were things that are not sold anymore or like specific variations of things that got folded into other units. So like there was, you know, uh, like six different like special like uh, Chimera chassis for Astra Militarum and they all got like put into like one unit and then there's just different variations of it. So there was a lot that's left out of the book, but uh, I think they did a good job of like cleaning it up and getting rid of some stuff that really didn't need to be there anymore. Well, and there's, there's also a confirmation that we're going to get a legends document that will have all the stuff that they've pulled out. So like, for example, Eldar Corsairs, nowhere in here, those rules will be in legends, which means they'll do a one and done. We're not updating these anymore. But they're there. They're there and compatible if you want to play with them. Um, Eldar don't need anything else, so I'm glad that I'm glad they're getting hit. <laughs> <laughs> but orcs did, in fact, get their war boss on a war bike again. Yep. I mean, I, I think, and orcs got the squiggeth, but not the great squiggeth. Yeah, that doesn't surprise or me. No, no, I take that back. The gargantuan squiggeth is still in here. Both of them are. Ah, I don't know where I okay strike that you know strike that because for some reason I read somewhere that like one of the squiggiths didn't make it but no they both did nice they even got the custom stompa still uh yeah and like there's a number of characters and such for Tau that didn't make it in um they've got and they've got it broken into you know broken out by like Adeptus Astartes Imperium Chaos and Xenos just kind of the same way that the uh, indexes were but uh, yeah it, it I mean it's it is a book that is still chock full of units. I mean, it's 224 yeah. pages and most of those pages have like two data sheets on them a piece. No. And the rules definitely seem a lot more in line with what the, you know, I mean, obviously it's the same It's the GW rules team now, but they seem a lot more in line power level and like design wise as all of the stuff that's in the proper codexes now. So that's, that's a win in and of itself. Oh, and another loss, sisters no longer have access to the Repressor. There are no sisters' vehicles in here. Aww. Which, I mean, they haven't produced that model for a, or the conversion kit for the Rhino, and yeah. don't they still technically have a new sisters' Rhino kit coming? Uh, no, it's out. Oh, is, it is, is yeah, it out? Yeah, it's out. Yeah, it's okay. out. For some yeah, reason, and- I, I had... It may have just slipped past the radar. Yeah, it, it was... Yeah, because I picked up... I picked up one or two because, uh, uh, yeah. Oh no, because yeah, there it is. Yeah. No, it's oh, man, it's that, a good kit. It's a good. That it's is a, a nice. Oh, that's a beautiful looking kit. Yeah. No, it's great because it's got plenty of like sister like filigree and like gibbons and stuff like that. But also because it's not like twenty years old, like it's at, you can actually assemble it. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> because because the Rhino chassis sucks to assemble just because it's an old kit. <laughs> actually, the Rhino chassis that's included in here is the same old Rhino chassis. It hasn't changed. Yeah. Oh, I know what it is. It's because the side it's because the side tracks are different. That's what it was. Because like you don't have to put together like all of the individual like pieces of the track, I don't think. You haven't had to for a while. Like my rhinos and, and emulators and exorcists that I put together, they've got the same like seven part treads. 
No, but I was thinking that, that on the new Rhino, because like on the emulator, and maybe I'm thinking of the emulator Exorcist, but on the emulator Exorcist, like the 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 treads are like two pieces or something. Like they're they're oh oh yeah, no, it's the, way more simple. And no, I thought are, that was those on the new are Rhino very too. No, no, no. Just okay. the emulator Exorcist kit uh, is unique in that regard. But the Rhino is literally a Rhino kit with with extra. Uh, okay, yeah, okay. I guess it is. But gosh, they're really nice looking gubbins. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that top hatch there alone is, is would be worth the price of admission for me. Wow. Yeah, like the extra sprue with just the bits would be really cool to see if they sold. But yeah, no, they don't. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, the uh, like I said, the Imperial Armor book is only available through uh, Forge World. So don't expect to see it on the shelf at your local store, which means you will have to order it from Forge World, which means depending on how much order you get together, it may be more expensive than like the $60, $65 well, that it is. So the one thing I'll say is that at least in the United States, uh, free shipping for Forge World is at $60 and it's 65 So you do oh, technically so- get it for free shipping. Oh, uh, fair enough. So like mine, mine doesn't actually come until Tuesday because I, I didn't pay for extra shipping, so... It'll be a little while before I actually have the physical copy of mine. Uh, actually, it's one hundred and twenty dollars is the free delivery on. Weird. They didn't yeah. charge me. They didn't charge me anything for, like any shipping when I on mine. They may have changed it between now and then. Oh, weird. Okay. Or maybe they just love you more. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, mine. Mine said I was when I. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It says free shipping. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm getting perks I don't know of. <laughs> well, I will contact Games Workshop and get them to knock that off right now. Nah, that's all right. You don't have no, to. No, no, no. I I want you to pay your you fair in- share. You insist. <laughs> I, I do or insist. Or you all could just order it and come visit Dallas and have it shipped here. I mean, I could have had it just shipped to the, the GW store, too, if I'd wanted to. <laughs> fair enough. But still, it's more fun to make you pay. Anyway, uh, moving on. <laughs> Uh, We're going to transition over into listener mail, and these letters, or this letter, is uh, brought to you by the listeners, or a listener in this case, and uh, we'll tell you how you can get your letter uh, read at the end of the segment, which will be relatively short. Uh, The hopper was pretty empty. We do have one army list that came in to review, but unfortunately it uses Forge World units, which Battle... Battlescribe hasn't updated for those yet, so it's harder to do on-the-fly adjustments and have accurate data and accurate points. So uh, we will probably punt on that until next episode. So my apologies, uh, person who sent in the uh, the list. Uh, we will get to that next episode. In the, in its place, we have a uh, question from a Twitter fan, uh, Robert Jenkins, and Robert asks, "Do you think Sisters of Battle will get the new starter set treatment? If so," How do you think that might look like for standard starter or combat patrol sets? I think that's a very good question and right in line with what we were talking about with uh, every faction eventually getting these. And I do think sisters will get one. Yeah. Only when they get a new codex or well, supplement yes. or yeah. whichever they get. I don't know. I don't think they're going to get a new codex for a while because theirs was explicitly designed with the current edition in mind. But I could see them getting a a combat patrol box in the near-ish future because... I, I imagine it would be kind of similar to the uh, Shadow Spear box that the uh, oh I blanked on what they're called the 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 Primaris like the stealthy Primaris models 
Oh, yeah, like the infiltrate, the Vanguard. In, yeah, the Vanguard. Thank you. Um, what the Vanguard got or versus, you know, and what the Chaos Marines got out of that, where they basically took parts of that box and split them up, and then that's the new starter box. So I imagine they'll probably do something very similar with that uh, that Sisters Army box that came out a year ago. Not all of it, because they don't want to give that whole, you know, that whole deal away, but... um. Yeah, I imagine that it'd probably be part of that, which will be the push fit models in line with here's the you know here's a starter box to 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 get playing quickly. Uh, very possibly. Um, so I went ahead and put together a combat patrol, and this comes in at technically twenty six PL and four hundred eighty eight points, which is still in roughly the range that they're looking at because they want around five hundred points and twenty five PL for the combat patrols. Uh, but it's all made out of new new box kits, and it is a uh, Canonus, a unit of 10 Battle Sisters, a unit of 5 Seraphim, a unit of 2 Mortifiers, and then a unit of 5 Retributors. And those would all be basically stock boxes off the shelf. Um, they would be made a particular way based on like how this is how they're pictured on the combat patrol, but you could adjust them for points to get closer to 500 or, you know, to, a, you know, tweak power level or what have you. Uh, but uh, yeah, it would be, uh, and it's about 30, 16. It's a just over, it's like about 220, $230. So it'd be around the same range as the uh, price wise as the blood angels box Mm -hmm. so that's actually not too bad yeah like i i think i'm kind of close to that like i think they would probably reuse the sculpts from the army box which would be a can which would be that special canonist the unit of sister of battle sisters that is you know push fit pre-designed the seraphim that are push fit and then probably the like penitent engine that's in that set which would would I think roughly come out to about the same points, maybe a little bit less because you're basically replacing the retributors with one model. But uh, I mean, you could potentially double it up and put two in there if it, if that gets you closer to 500. But I, I think that's roughly the core of what any any combat patrol box would be. Yeah, no, that's you're probably probably pretty close there. Let's see if I do. There's what eight sisters Repenchi in that box. Uh, no, I thought it was just five. Is it just five? Yeah, it's just five. So yeah, I mean, I think if you take the the monopose stuff, which they do like to reuse monopose models whenever possible, uh, be, you know, just because they want to get the mileage out of those molds if they can. I mean, we obviously we Absolutely. saw it with Shadow Spear. Um, hell, we've seen it with the they're selling us the same Chaos Cultists that they've sold us for the last several years. But yeah, if you took that box, which is a Canonist, a Repentia Superior, a unit of 10 Battle Sisters uh, equipped a certain way, a unit of 5 Sisters Repentia, a unit of 5 Seraphim, and a single Penitent Engine, it's 25 PL, which is right where they want it. Only 450, 415 points, though. Mm, yeah. So that's a little bit of a problem. Uh, so... I, we could do a lot of like recalculating and cutting and slicing this to try to get closer to five, you know, get closer to that 500 point without going too much well, over on PL. But yeah, what's the what's the point of the uh, the points for the penitent engine for each uh, penitent engine? Fifty. So you could potentially double those up and just put two in there or something to get it closer. But which is yeah. what a box of penitent engines 
compensate because mm-hmm. the mortifier box also makes penitent engines and it's two per box yeah which would get you that would bump the list up to 28 pl but that's still fine yeah and when i calculated it i think that's actually what the um space wolf came out as i think it came out a little over 500 points and i think it was i can pull it back up here real quick uh yeah 28 pl so i think that would be right in the ballpark for what the other you know two combat patrols we've seen so far are if you double up on pennant and engines you're 28 pl and 475 points there you go yeah and you could equip the and actually you would be leaving out the arcoflagellants and i think that's fine right yeah that's fine yeah and i don't the, think anybody would complain <laughs> and then the canonist herself has a she has a plasma pistol a power sword or possibly a blessed blade and i believe she has her and she has a rod of office that's 490 mm-hmm. points boom there you go yeah so i, I do think that if the if they're going to release a starter box for sisters or a combat patrol box for sisters anytime soon, it'll probably be that rebox of that army box, that army set. And I know that might upset some people that like they spent a little bit extra on the fancy box to get started, but this would be, you know, this would be at a different price point. It wouldn't have like the cards, the codex, the dice and some of the other stuff. So I, I, I would be fine. Like as somebody who bought the the original starter, the original army box, I wouldn't be upset if they basically just repackaged those models into a starter set, and that was how people could start playing sisters. Actually, Kevin, um, if you repackage that box exactly as it is, which is actually only four uh, Repentia, and you put in the three Arcoflagellants, mm-hmm. it is one unit at each. Each four sword slot, each battlefield roll. This is one HQ, one troop, one elite, one fast attack, one heavy, and it's and then one non four sword for the repentious appear, and it's four hundred sixty three points at twenty four PL. Well, okay then. Yeah, I mean it. It is literally a. I mean, they could just repackage it's, that as a combat patrol and be done. It's almost like they planned this. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Surely not. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I think they would probably do if they're going to build a combat patrol box. Now, I I think you're right. It's I mean, they like you said, you know, they have the molds to do it. Why why wouldn't you? Exactly. And it gives it gives it's it gives you a reason to buy this over buying, you know, the actual multi-part kits. Right. I would not be surprised if we see something similar for um like a repackaging of the stuff from the older uh Death Guard starter yeah. products as the death guard um combat patrol kit well because that lord of contagion and the um uh, mal- uh plague caster have never those been re- have never been released separately yeah so like i wouldn't be surprised at all if that was the case yeah now it'll be interesting when we start getting into higher model count armies like imperial guard or orcs or tyranids like what are those combat patrol boxes going to look like because I don't see them putting, like, a horde of 30 gaunts in one. Just say it. Just guessing. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine. Because, like, each of those has, well, orcs don't. But uh, nids do have a, a more expensive troop option. True, you got warriors. So They, they, they could put in they could put in a unit of, of gaunts and then a unit of warriors. True. 
And of course, you know, this would come alongside a new codex and that could completely change up like what kind of viable builds you have. So, yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, this is an interesting little thought experiment into what could be coming up. But yeah, as far as sisters, I think the answer is literally the, the launch starter set for sisters from like a year or so ago. In fact, a year ago, this week is when they did the unboxing on it. Yeah. On, yeah. War, on Warhammer Community. Sisters of Battle un- Army set unboxing November 11th, 2019. So a year later, <laughs> congratulations. Here's your combat patrol for sisters. No, I think it makes sense. Like, it's enough time that people who bought the original box would, you know, have gotten it. They've built it. They've, in theory, painted it. <clears throat> Some people haven't. Some um, people haven't built it. Because <laughs> I, I have a ton of sisters. I, I say, mine's completely built. Um, but then, like, there's also been all the new models that have... There's also all the new models that have come out and all the new boxes, the multi-part boxes. Now would be a good time to be like, okay, and we're going to release this again so that it's now available as a starter box. That, yeah, because this thing sold yeah. out super fast, too, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think... Uh, hopefully this... Uh, hopefully, Robert, this answers your question as to our opinion on it. And I I, I do think this is... It makes sense... T- to go in this direction for this this product. And if you have a question for us or a list to review, and again, my apologies on the person or my apologies to the person who sent us the list, it just Forge World units need need some recalibration at the moment because we just like the points are are very fresh. They just came out this weekend for a lot of people. So uh, we'll hopefully be able to, to redo, redo and review that list uh, next episode. Uh, but in the meantime, if you have a list to send us or a question to ask or feedback or anything like that, uh, there are three good ways to get to us. Uh, the first is our email addresses, which is our first name at preferred enemies. So Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at preferred enemies.com. Uh, second is, uh, Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash preferred enemies. And, uh, you can like us there, follow us, see what we're working on, get updates on like when shows are going to come out and commentary on news and things like that. Third is Twitter. We are at twitter.com slash preferred enemy singular due to the limitation on the length of Twitter handles. Uh, but, uh, we take questions and feedback from all those sources, collate them together, put them in the hopper and get through as many as we can in an episode, which we had one. So the hopper is officially empty minus the one list that is pending. So if you want to get your letter read on the air, now is the time. Uh, in addition, we do have a Patreon. Uh, if you want to help support the show, first we would ask that you look at local charities in your area that could use the financial support, be they food banks, rent funds, help for people who are currently on unemployment assistance due to the uh, continuing pandemic in our country. But uh, if after all that you still want to help support the show, we are patreon.com slash preferred enemies. And it's basically just an online tip jar. We don't lock any content behind a paywall. All our episodes are free to everyone. But if you want to help support uh, keeping our equipment going, paying for our hosting, and uh, helping us continue to do remote episodes now that not only can we not meet in one place, but we are very geographically spread out now, uh, we do really appreciate the help. And if everybody just... If you know enough people put in a dollar per per month, it adds up and it really does help out. So we're going to go ahead and take a break for sponsor identification. And when we come back, we're going to take a look at Codex Supplement Death Watch. See you in a bit. Miniatures. We build them. We paint them. We love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. 
They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from GameMat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a GameMat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and that means it's time for our main topic, which is our look at Codex Supplement Death Watch. And these Codex Supplements, especially this one, is a very tiny book. I mean, as far as, like, page count. One thing I'll say that I didn't realize, which is nice, since they're not Codexes, they're cheap. Yes, they're, like, what, $30? Yeah. Because I I went to the store, and I was expecting to pay, like, $200-ish, and it was, like, very cheap. I'm like, why is that? Then I'm like, oh, these are only 30 Cool, I approve. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, and that's because um, most of that's because most of your your heavy list, lifting and most of your content is in the Space Marines Codex, which does mean you have to have two books. So if you play if you play Death Watch, you're actually looking at like eighty dollars worth of books instead of just thirty or forty. I know, yeah. I know. I wasn't planning on buying a Space Marine Codex until I learned that. Then I'm like, oh, I guess I need to go pick that up too. But, but that one codex of- works for, for both this and Space Wolves for you, so there's that. That is true. Yep. <laughs> but the upshot yeah, is... I don't think get- it helps much, but... <laughs> <laughs> but the upshot is you do get access to a lot of new things to put in your army and a lot more ways to build a Death Watch army. Absolutely. Uh, so first, actually, I will reference the... Uh, well, actually, and... and- Flavor-wise, if you are unaware, the Death Watch is basically the uh, chamber militant of the Ordo Xenos in the Inquisition, and what that means is they are the uh, they are the force uh, tasked with taking out alien threats to uh, to the Imperium. And whereas you know usually you would send in like just Space Marines or the Imperial Guard or the Sisters of Battle to to deal with them at a, on a war zone level. Uh, Death Watch tend to be more involved in surgical strikes, and they are also made up of basically space marines that are lent from chapters all across the Imperium. 
So there will be Space Wolves and Dark Angels and Blood Angels and Ultramarines in the same team working together. And the idea is that you like spend some time in the Death Watch and then you go back to your chapter and kind of take what you have learned and pass that knowledge on. Or you might decide to stay in the Death Watch as a, as a veteran and, you know, continue the fight, you know, for the various, uh, what do they call them, the Watch Houses? Yeah, uh, watchtowers. The watch, yeah, for the so and you know, provide your services to the various watchtowers uh, of the you know the Inquisition and the Order Xenos. And so, I'm going to go back to the Space Marine Codex and uh, talk about the chapter tactic because Death Watch have a chapter tactic now. <laughs> so their their chapter tactic is Xenos Hunters, uh, and basically, it's two parts. Each time a model with this tactic makes a melee attack against Tyranids, Eldari, Orc, Necrons, or Tau Empire units, based on keyword, uh, re-roll a hit roll of one. After both sides have finished deploying their armies, select one battlefield roll, so HQ, Troop, Elite, etc. Until the end of the battle, each time a model with this tactic makes an attack against an enemy unit with that battlefield roll, re-roll a wound roll of one. And that's kind of a throwback concept to what they had with mission tactics where basically it's like you would pick a battlefield role and you were going to be really good at killing that battlefield role. And that kind of represented the idea of like, Oh, we need to stop these enemy troops from getting a foothold or we need to take out the HQ or uh, there's some heavy support here. We need to take them out. So again, trying to kind of model that these are, this is a surgical strike team on a particular mission they're meant to be good at killing this one thing, so send this kill team to do this thing. And the other nice thing about this is a lot of things, like Warlord traits, psychic powers, and whatnot, you have to pick before the battle begins. Um, like, so this one, you can like wait and see the opponent's list, and now, okay, I see what you've got here, now I can pick which thing I want to go against. Right, and you can see how they've deployed, too, yeah. so... Yeah, no, yeah. That, that is really nice. Um, now, the thing is, they there's no such thing as, like, Death Watch successors because, as you know, as I mentioned, they're, they're <laughs> made up of bits and pieces throughout the Empire. They also don't have access to everything. In fact, there's quite a few things they can't take. So, for example, they cannot have... Assault squads, attack bike squads, bike squads, devastator squads, stern guard veteran squads, tactical squads, or any scout units. So anything that has the scout keyword. Um, because if you're in the Death Watch, you are, you have progressed beyond scout. You are now a officially... In fact, you're supposed to be a veteran at that point. Mm-hmm. And they do specify you can't be a successor chapter if uh, your unit's from Death Watch because they don't have successor chapters. But the flip side of that is they get access to everything else in the Space Marine Codex, which uh, they actually are extremely flexible with in army building. And we'll be talking more about that in a bit. But that does mean they get access to like shock assault and bolter discipline and they shall know no fear, but maybe not combat doctrines. And I think that's <laughs> it's that's where the, their change in army building s- starts. They have combat doctrines. They do, but not the way everyone else has it. Yeah, right. like there's better. So basically, in in most Space Marine armies, combat doctrines work as you're in devastator mode, turn one. 
Devastator Doctrine. Then turn two, you're in Tactical Doctrine. Turn three, you can stay in Tactical Doctrine or switch to Assault. Turn four, you have to switch to Assault, and you're in Assault for the rest of the game. Instead, Death Watch has Mission Tactics. Do not use the rules in Codex Space Marine to determine which combat doctrine is active for your army during each battle round. Instead, at the start of each battle round, select Devastator Doctrine, Tactical Doctrine, or Assault Doctrine. The combat doctrine you select is active for your army until the end of that battle round. Note, however, when selecting a combat doctrine at the start of the battle round, you cannot select Devastator Doctrine to be active for your army more than once. You cannot select Tactical Doctrine to be active for your army more than twice. And you cannot select Assault Doctrine to be active for your army more than three times. Which, you know, maps to how the other, you know, how it works. If if you if you did take them in order, but I like that you don't have to take them in order. Yeah, you can pick what you need on that turn or round. Right, and again, it leads to that flexibility of like we're going to pick this thing, we're going to be good at that. Uh, so, for example, if let's say the enemy has some some heavy armor that we've got to kill, we've got to bring our big guns to bear. We'll go ahead and you know drop into Devastator. Maybe we do do Devastator first turn. But, hey, maybe they don't have any big vehicles, and we've got our troops with, like, our bolters out. Are you uh, going maybe, first and they're all hiding? Yeah, you know, maybe right. we go ahead and start in tactical, or maybe even just start in assault, since we can use that for three battle rounds and try to draw them out. Or, hey, if you've got units that can, especially on the smaller board sizes, that can maybe get into assault turn two, you drop right into assault on turn two. You know, that it's... Yeah a lot more flexibility than any other Space Marine army has, and you still have access to the adaptive strategy where you can make a particular unit count as all three for a turn if you need to. Then we get, uh, uh, you know, we get into stratagems. Or should we, do we want to do stratagems us, or do we want to talk so, about how kill teams are put together? Do we want, uh, let's do kill teams first, because there are some things in stratagems that I think are interesting, but I think they're interesting in the context of like the kill teams. Okay. That's fair. Cause that's actually the next page and that's kill yeah. team specialisms. And this is also interesting because this used to be, these definitions used to be how mission tactics worked. You picked a specialism for the turn and that's what your teams were good at. Instead, you are actually now building kill teams and determining what they're going to be good at during army construction. So if your army's battle forge and includes any death watch detachments, you can upgrade any kill team units from your army to have a specialism and kill team units are a special thing, which we will talk about in a minute. And this is basically in lieu of updating characters to be like chapter masters or such, which also is something you can't do in death right. in death watch. I believe. I think you still can. Cause their chapter masters aren't in the book anymore. You'll have to take a, I guess, a captain. Death Watch captain cannot be upgraded to a chapter master. So you oh, can't. Okay, okay so fine. you can't have like a master sanctity or master of the forge, but you can't have a chapter master because they have watch right because you've got watch yeah. masters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, kill team specialisms kind of work uh, mechanically the same way in that it raises the power level of that unit and the points cost of that unit. Basically, you each one costs. One, one. There's, there's some, a couple that cost two. Most cost one power level, and then it's twenty five or thirty five points accordingly. So you've got the, for example, the Aquila kill team. They are equipped to handle 
a variety of different things. So after selecting a battlefield rules for the purpose of your cha- your Xeno Hunters chapter tactic, so let's say we've selected troops. Uh, select one additional battlefield role until the end of the battle each time a model in this unit makes an attack against an enemy unit with either of the selected battlefield roles, re-roll a wound roll of one. So basically, it expands that particular kill team's use of the chapter tactic to two battlefield roles. Uh, Venator, each time a model in this unit makes an attack against flyers or fast attack, re-roll wound rolls of one. And if you selected fast attack or flyer for your chapter tactic, then you just re-roll, re-roll all wound rolls, not just ones. And they all basically work like this. Malleus is up is against Heavy Support, Lord of War, or Dedicated Transport. Uh, Dominatus is against Elites. Furor is against Troops. And Pergatus is against HQs. And they all basically work the same way. You're always rerolling Wound Rolls of One against a particular Battlefield roll. And if you had picked that Battlefield roll, you reroll all your Wound Rolls. And then they do have special rules for Kill Team Cassius, which is a special unit in this codex. And they... Uh, they are always upgraded to be Aquila. Even if it would allow you... You can't have uh, more than one kill team with a particular specialism unless one of them is Cassius, and then you can have two Aquila. I do like that they gave Cassius, like, extra uh, extra benefits for taking them, because, like, that was the, the kill team that was in the original... Um, oh, gosh, what, what they, was the name? Yeah, what was the name of the original box that they were in with uh, with the Harlequins? Oh, no, it, it was that before that. It was Gene Stealers. It was, it was, it was yeah. Gene Stealers. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it was that team that was in that original box, and then um, it they sell it. They sell to Kill Team Cassius like as a separate box now. But like push fit models, no choices to like you know on how to like assemble them. But like it's it's a really cool unit. Like they're really cool models. So I'm glad that they gave them something that was uh, a bit different and unique for them. Death Watch and f- Overkill, and it was a separate board game, too. It wasn't even just a yeah. box set. That's right, Death Watch Overkill, yeah. Yeah, and the fact that it is just a box you can buy off the shelf, like, it kind of makes it, here's another unit. So it's a specialized unit that's called out, and I, I'm, yeah, I'm happy they put it in here. Is it even, let's see, yeah, can you Yeah, it's still on the site. I see it in the it's, stores. It's out of, it's out of stock right now on the website, but it is still available. Hmm. And it is, it's the 10... The ten Marines in the squad plus Cassius and the uh, Librarian. Uh, oh yeah, Kill the, Team Cassius, sixty-five yeah. bucks. I remember back in the day that was the great deal. I mean, I bought I think a couple of them just to get the extra weapons. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> so yeah, it it is nice that you can buy this box and run it as is. And so okay, so I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because well, this is for upgrading a kill team. Well. What is a kill team? Well, in the past, a kill team could be like a unit. Like they'd have a kill team unit that you would kind of build pieces out of. With its own data sheet. With its own data sheet. And that is no longer the case. Um, Instead, when you are mustering your army or adding a unit to your order of battle for Crusade, you can create a kill team unit. A kill team unit can be compromised to models from several different Adeptus Astartes data sheets. Uh, You can add any number of kill team units to your army subject to the usual restrictions each kill team unit has the troops battlefield role. They're all between five and 10 models and they have a, there's a list of four different ways you can build them. They all have 
a mixed unit ability, which is what allows you to have things like bikes and terminators and jump pack and foot marines in the same mm. list or in the same unit, or even just like intercessors and aggressors in the same unit. And it also covers like if they have different toughness, you get to decide which toughness you want to use. It, or if no, there's majority. not a majority, yeah. There, so you have to, there has to be a majority, which is generally going to be toughness four. But you might have a few cases where you have toughness five models in. If more of them are five, you get to use the, that. If they're tied, you get to choose which one you want to use. Yeah. So it's the old rules. Yeah. And then they tell the, tell you like these particular models are considered to have particular keywords for the purposes of, like bolter discipline and transport capacity. I really like the fact that they spelled all of that out because it is – it's a little confusing at times, like kind of at first blush to see exactly what everything gets. But it's going to cut out so many future arguments of like exactly what each member gets in here. Or skipping ahead a little bit, they mentioned that for the purposes of like interacting with terrain, all of the models count as infantry so that you don't have like – certain members of the unit that are like jumping over things or driving up things, they all count as infantry, you know, with their own movement characteristics and something like that just makes it so much simpler than trying to figure out all of the permutations and ways that like all of these things interact with, with terrain and cover and et cetera. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, they specify after that, that, a model in a kill team unit uh, retains any abilities that applied to the model on its original data sheet. If a unit requires uh, every model in, in the unit to have that rule, then it doesn't apply unless they all do. Yep. But that applies that – does, that does take combat squatting into account. And they even give an example of that where somebody is making a kill team that contains a watch sergeant, four veterans, and five terminators – combat squad the terminators into their own unit and now they can deep strike yep yeah and note that this is that combat squatted terminators are still part of the kill team so they're a troop yes and they're going to have all any benefits the kill team gets Mm -hmm. i think that's where you're going to see the strength of this army especially with the different kill teams like the yeah the proteus kill team is the one that's kind of the you know the, the classic, classic yeah the classic kill team i think you might still see a group of 10 of those like you may not see those combat squatted as much but when you get to the fortis kill team the indominator kill team and the spectrus kill teams i really expect you're gonna see these like five uh you'll, you'll see like five intercessors and five outriders and then they'll immediately combat squad out or five intercessors and five aggressors and they'll immediately combat squad out like I just I, I think that's how you're going to see those be played. Oh, I totally agree with you because I mean it gives like Rob was saying it's the flexibility and I think this the building of your kill teams is where your flexibility comes in. Yeah. But only if you build them as full squads of ten, have five the tax of here's what the base kill team is, and then five of what you really want. Yeah. <laughs> well, but like here's the thing: like you could potentially get up to six of these things because you know six troops, and then. Once you split them out, then your aggressors, your terminators, your yeah, uh, eradicators, <laughs> etc., all still count as troops. Now you've got 12 troop units, so like just MSU heaven. But then like your eradicators and your aggressors and your terminators all count as troops and get all of the benefits of being troops. Like I could see that this being a super fun army to play that way. Yeah, and everything you have is going to be objective secured 
in that regard because the mm-hmm. your space marines, you're still space marines. You still have your troops are obsec. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, keywords, uh, you do not retain any keywords from the original data sheet. Instead, kill team units have the following faction keywords, Imperium, Adeptus, Astartes, Death Watch. So you don't have any chapter. Death Watch is your chapter, so you don't have to worry about that. And then the unit for each kill team, the entry for each kill team unit will detail any other keywords the unit has, and then other keywords that you gain while having certain models. It's very, very clearly spelled out. They also tell you how to calculate the power rating of a particular kill team based on what's in there. And so we have four kill teams to choose from. There's the Proteus kill team, which, as you said, Kevin, is kind of the classic kill team, which is made of Death Watch veterans. And then you can add Terminators, Bikers, and Vanguard veterans to them. And it starts as a Watch Sergeant and four Death Watch veterans. And then, yeah, you can add up to five of any of that, any combination of those. Bikers can only use turbo boost if the unit only contains veteran bikers, which is why you'd put five bikers in and combat squad them out. Mm-hmm. And they do specify such as after using the combat squad ability. So again, they're very clearly spelling this out. So that's the, the rule writing has been so much tighter on a lot of this stuff than it has in the past. Yeah, this was, especially with this being a supplement, I was really concerned that this army in particular would be very difficult to like build or read and like all get all of the inter- rules interactions. And I think they did a really, really good job of explaining it. I, I mean, I think there's a lot to read and interpret you. Like we said with Necrons, it felt like it was a com- more complicated than it was in the past. Death watch feels probably just as complicated, but at least like you said, it's, it's spelled out more, but I would not say this is one you want to jump in until you've actually got your feet wet with some other armies. Absolutely. Yeah, this is definitely not a, a beginner army. And then they also, like, you get the infantry core, and I would like to point that out. All these kill teams get the core keyword, so they'll get benefits from all your various auras that use that. Uh, infantry core kill team, and in this case, Proteus. Uh, in addition, the unit can gain the following keywords. Uh, if it has any vet- Vanguard veterans, it has the Meltabombs keyword. If it cont- only contains Vanguard veterans with jump packs, it also has fly. If it only contains Terminators, it has the Terminator keyword. And if it only contains veteran bikers, it has the biker keyword. And then they tell you how to calculate the power rating. It starts at seven. And then if you add any models, so like it's seven for the five base guys. And then for each one you add, you add like one or two power level per model. So if you had five Terminators added to a Proteus kill team, it's going to be a power level 17. Pretty simple. Yeah. Um, there's the Fortis kill team, which is all uh, Primaris. It is starts at as, as an intercessor sergeant and four intercessors. And then you can add either one intercessor, an assault intercessor, an outrider, or hellblaster, or you can add up to five of those in any combination. Yeah, and this, to me, feels like it's the Primaris version of the base kill team because these were the yeah. first four things came out. You've got your heavy guns. You've got your speedy ri- riders. You've got... Standard peoples. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting because they, I believe you used to be able to take Reavers in that squad in previous editions and they've changed it and they've moved them to a different kill team. But mm-hmm. yeah, but otherwise it makes sense it's kind of why, the too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise it's kind of the classic Primaris. Yeah, which kill they team also they did previous. because there's four different things you can put in the kill team. 
and there's four kill teams, and none of them are repeated. So I, I find that interesting too. Yeah. Oh no, I I, I understand. Like I, I I agree with them moving reavers out, but it, that's the like only change from like previous edition. Is this was, you know, your your primaris kill team that you had last edition as well. So kind of just the bog standard primaris version of of the kill team. Yeah. And then you've got the Indomitor kill team, which is all built around Gravis armor. So it starts as a heavy intercessor and uh, sergeant and four heavy intercessors. And then you can add additional heavy intercessors, aggressors, inceptors, or eradicators. So if you want that new melter rifle, you can have a unit of five of those, which they normally only come in units of three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the weird thing is they come in units of three. Also, the box is a box of three. So if you want to max that out at five, you got to buy two boxes. <laughs> I'm sure they don't have a problem with that. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> oh, no, I take it back. Eradicators can go up to five. It's just you got three in Indominus, but the unit can go yeah, up to five. Yeah, and, and the boxes they sell are three. So Actually, it can go up to six, a, a, a sergeant and two to five eradicators. So eh, you can... You buy can, two boxes anyway, you buy, apparently. Yeah, you buy two boxes. <laughs> but the fact, again, you can, ma- you can have a unit of five eradicator troops is yeah, scary. Yeah, that's... Well, and like... There's some other stratagems and stuff that you can give as layup, but like, yeah, you you build that kill team, you split out your heavy intercessors and your uh, eradicators, and now you have two units that are both tough five, three up armor, and like three wounds that can just pour out fire, and if they don't move, get extra shots. Yep. Like that is that is going to be nails on a on a on objective holding. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you can give them a the specialization for either heavy things or troop things. Yeah. Well, and there's th- to kind of get skip ahead slightly to stratagems. There's a stratagem that allows uh, a, a kill team to shoot without interrupting an action. So you could basically park a unit of uh, eradicators on an objective, have them do the action to whatever for the objective, and then shoot twice, which is just nasty. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And then finally, there's the Spectrus kill team, which is your Vanguard, like all your Phobos pattern, uh, Primaris. So it starts with one Infiltrator Sergeant and four Infiltrators, and then you can add Infiltrators, Incursors, Reavers, or Eliminators up to five. Um, the And, like, if you have one or more Infiltrators, they get Omni Scramblers. If you have one or more... Inc- if you have incursors, they still have the multi-spectrum ability, and if there's a reaver in the unit, the they get terror troops as well. Nice. And again, they have like you know all of these are infantry core, and in this case, Phobos Primaris Kill Team Spectrus, just like the Indomador is infantry core Primaris Mark X Gravis Kill Team Indomador. So yeah, it's there's a lot of flexibility in how to build these troop units. And don't forget the smoke screen and shot grenades. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. If there are infiltrators or incursors models, you get the smoke screen keyword. And if there are any reavers, you get the shot grenade keyword. So yeah. I I really like how like again, it is more complex, but it is so flexible. You can build exactly the kind of kill teams you want to have. And where I think this is really gonna sing, yes, I mean competitive play it'll be good. Crusade is gonna love this. Oh, for sure. Like, Crusade yeah. armies, like, they'll build out their roster with, like, a whole bunch of different possible kill teams and then, uh, you know, pick and choose which ones fit the battle, which is exactly the way they should play in a narrative sense. Yeah. The only thing I, I'm a little bit disappointed is with the kill teams is that, 
the kind of mixed unit feel that they had in previous editions is going to kind of be gone because I think the way to play these and maybe not, you know, like I said, Crusade, sure, play, you know, play them differently. But the way I think you're going to see a lot of these played is you're going to see veterans and then five of something else. And then they get combat squatted and they run as a five man veteran squad and a five man, you know, Terminator squad or an aggressor squad and a heavy intercessor squad, you know, things like that. And while that's fine, it does lose a little bit of that kind of fun that there was before with like before Primaris Marines came out where it's like, no, build the skill team and like give these guys, you know, heavy weapons, give this guy a power sword, give this guy a power fist, who cares? Give them all the weapons, you know? So it's going to lose a little bit of that feel, but I think this is a better setup. I, I'll agree with you, Kevin, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to lose anything because a lot of the Death Watch I saw for like at tournaments or something weren't really using the mixed squad anyway. They'd go heavy bikes or heavy. They they went sure. all in on one thing and they yeah. didn't really take the kill team as much as the other units. And so now here's a way to still take the other units, but give them the kill team benefits. That's fair. I guess that's fair. Now, one other rule that is specific to, uh, to Death Watch is the special issue ammunition. And unfortunately, this is not nearly as prevalent as it used to be. Yeah. Well, okay, we, we had this conversation earlier, but I'll bring it up here. Is it's, Death Watch used to be the, the thing where you got all the neat Space Marine toys. Toys that you couldn't find in other chapters. Hey, come over here, we got the neat toys in Death Watch. Special issue ammunition was one of them. Well, as we just talked about kill teams, where, where they're more built on being flexible and doing specialized things. Ammo is now a second thought, secondary thought. So it's more only on the old guard death watch that have it. And now it's tied to their weapon profile as opposed to a chapter rule type thing. Yeah. It, no, it's that's fair. Yeah, it is fair. It It is. It is one of the things that made the death watch death watch like historically was the fact that they had like the perfect bullets for every every occasion. So, for example, the 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 four forms of uh, special immune, special issue ammunition are dragon fire bolts. Uh, to basically, the target does not receive the benefit of cover. Hellfire rounds. As long as you're not attacking a vehicle or Titanic model, you add one to your wound roll. Uh, Kraken bolts uh, add six inches to the range and improve armor penetration by one. And Vengeance Rounds add one to the damage. These do not apply to any of the Primaris models, because those are all using yeah. data sheets straight from the Codex, and the in the Space Marine Codex does not have any reference to this rule. The only units that have reference to it are units in this book, which include uh, the Watchmaster, the other named characters, and uh, Death Watch veterans and Kill Team Cassius. So it is literally just old school power armor marines that have access to this particular uh, rule and well, only on a, some weapons. Right. Here's a thought, Rob. Um, remember what happened with the uh, Grey Knights and Cybold ammo? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, apparently Death Watch did too, so now they're rationing it before it totally goes away. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> And really, what those particular units, I mean, apart from the fact that Kill Team Cassius is its own data sheet now, and, like, it has one special rule that the others don't have that it automatically passes morale tests. 
And like the Death Watch veterans do have access to other weapons like the Death Watch shotgun, the Infernus heavy bolter, which I still love the idea of a heavy bolter that has a heavy flamer duct tape to it. <laughs> and it does have access to the Death Watch frag cannon, which is still a pretty decent weapon. It's not as good as it used to be. Well, maybe not, but the uh, the the blast form can can do some pretty good work on uh, a you know a big enough unit of, of Gribblies. Uh, but yeah, none of the uh, Primaris units are going to get that. They're just not good enough, or or maybe they just doesn't fit the new bolt guns. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed that they didn't give the special ammunition stuff. But I also kind of understand it because like the bolt strike gauntlets, or whatever for like the aggressors would have been just completely ridiculous if they had given them this. So and of course, aggressors now don't double fire. So sure. Uh, yeah, so, I, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. So now we can kind of rewind a little bit and go look at stratagems. And you've got like battle tactics, stratagems, like Death the Alien, which just lets you add one to your attacks when you're attacking any effectively Xenos model, Tyranid, Zeldari, Orc, Necrons, Tau Empire, same list. Like if I refer to Xenos units, I'm basically, that's the short version yeah. of that, that list. I really love those specific ones because, like, there's that Death to the Alien, and then there's, like, specific ones that target, like, just Eldari or uh, Tyranid or Tau. the Green Tide. Yeah, and, like, those are just so hilarious and, like, so perfect for this army that, like, I – there's very – there's never really been another army where I felt the stratagems, like, so perfectly fit the tone of the army. And, like, I just – I love all of these (laughs) – yeah, like, and also things like adaptive tactics. Hey, you know that uh, battlefield role you selected for Xenos Hunters, your chapter tactic? Change it. Yeah. <laughs> you can only do it once, but like, hey, I've cleared out all their troops, and now I've got these elites to deal with. Boom, we're pit- we've, we're doing elites now. Yeah. That's great. No, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, we do have, uh, you know, getting extra relics, extra... Uh, extra character with warlord traits, and yeah, there's orc. There's an orc specific, tau specific, uh, necron specific uh, strats, uh, and then there's also eldar and tyranid specific unit uh, strats a bit earlier, like uh, one that's just good at killing tyranid synapse units. Yeah, that's great. Like I love that. <laughs> or uh, he, you prognosticating volley. It's like out psychering the you know out predicting the eldar. <laughs> Yeah, like they're just they're just so like great and perfect. Like there's one um what's the tau? What's the name of the tau one? I I got uh, targeting here. scramblers. Targeting scramblers. Yeah. Use this stratagem in your opponent's shooting phase after the tau army has resolved its shooting attacks against Death Watch army, a uh, Death Watch unit in this army. Remove all marker light counters on that Death Watch unit. Oh, you just lit me up with a bunch of marker lights? No, you didn't. <laughs> it's just great. Like <laughs> Or Brotherhood of Veterans. This is this is a really cool flavor one because remember how I said earlier that these the the Death Watch is made of units you know made of uh, members from like chapters all across the Empire. Brotherhood of Veterans. Use the stratagem in your command phase. Select one Death Watch unit from your army. Then select a chapter tactic or successor tactic until the end of the turn. Models in that unit have the chapter tactic or successor tactic instead of the Xenos Hunters one. That is pretty cool. Oh, wow. So yeah. you need to be ultramarines for this unit needs to be ultramarines for a turn and like be able to fall back and shoot. Or I need uh, this unit to be able to like heroically intervene like characters. So they're space wolves now. 
Or well, at least that one doesn't say if you have a shoulder pad on the unit that you have to use one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, the maybe it's just like just one guy there, like one one space wolf or one ultramarine says, "Okay, do what I do." Right. Well, I, I'm when we get to warlord traits, there's one warlord trait where you can do the same thing, but yeah. it, if you have a shoulder pad of a specific um, space marine faction on them, it can only be that one. <laughs> <laughs> I did like a special issue loadout. So you do have the option to give, for like one shooting phase, you have the option to give uh, the special issue ammunition to like units that don't get it, but it's two CP and it changes the the weapon characteristic to heavy one. So no, if you not not worth it's not it's not worth it, but it is at least interesting that it's there. That like okay, they were at least aware that they cut out everything for the primaris unit. So like. I could potentially see a scenario where, like, a unit of intercessors or something like that, or maybe a unit of, yeah, probably a unit of intercessors or heavy intercessors, <laughs> something like that. Like, where where you're you're camped in the spot and you want to and you want to get a bunch of shots downfield. Like, I can maybe see that, but it's it's interesting that they at least included it. You know, where you could actually, I mean, it, this is going to be real CP intensive, but like you, know, you mentioned intercessors. Let's see, where is it? The um, doo, doo, doo. Uh, rapid fire. Use the stratagem at the end of your shooting phase. Select one intercessor squad or veteran intercessor squad unit from your army. That unit can shoot again, and it's based on keyword. So you could theoretically, for four CP, double fire with special ammunition. Not worth. <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> probably not, but it's there. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't say they weren't at least aware of the issue, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah, this is, I mean, again, this is an army. The downside, like, we talk, we're talking about all this flexibility in army building and unit building and such. The downside is this army is made to kill Xenos. Yes. <laughs> it's not good. It, it is not equipped to do anything else. It is not good against chaos. It is not going to be, you know, geared towards fighting other imperial. I mean, it will do okay because it's got access to all the things Space Marines have, which is pretty good. But you're going to get the most bang for your buck when playing against Xenos armies, and that yeah. that's just that's one of those bits of fluff that is just built in here, and that's just kind of how it is. Yeah, and that's fine. Like that's again, that's what this army is. So yeah. Now, they do get their own uh, psychic discipline now, though. Because before they, like, the last Death Watch book, all they had was, like, the standard Librarius one. So, like, oh, yeah, you have the same psychic powers that all generic Marines have. But now they have the Xenopurge discipline, which means you can use this one instead of, like, you can use Librarius or Obscuration or this you can't mix and match, but you can pick yeah. which one you want to use. Right, right. And, you know, fortunately, these, most of the, like, none of these mention any of, like, the Xenos faction keywords. So that helps. They're they're just generically good. Yeah, I don't remember any of them, like, particularly standing out, but, like, they all seemed like they were... They're all relatively yeah. solid. All, all relatively solid, yeah. So, and did you want to do warlord traits later, or go back to? Uh, we can go ahead and do warlord traits since you skipped that page. I did skip. We've been kind of skipping around because the pieces of this army are, are kind of scattered. You, you know, even though I do like how clearly things are are spelled out and organized, 
the rules and how they interact, it's like you kind of have to jump around to get the most out of it. Yeah, that is fair. So, uh, yeah, so for example, Warlord trait, one of their Warlord traits is you have a Warlord trait from a different chapter. Which, again, you know, it it's a very fluff way to to cover you know it, it's a crunchy way to cover the fluff of yeah the the leader of this team is probably from another chapter or is going to be from a, a different chapter and so maybe he fights that way <laughs> or hey you know you talked about having you know being able to do an action without or you know make range attacks without an action failing there's a warlord trait optimized priority if you're within six inches of a death watch core or character unit that unit can make range attacks without att- actions failing yeah yeah. yeah, that's the one I saw that I, I really liked. Uh, you can re uh, ties the bind. You can reroll morale tests. Although honestly, your units are going to be small enough that by the time you're taking a morale test <laughs> with all the combat squatting, it's not going to matter. Right? Yeah. I also do like the Castilian of the Black Vault, where you can have a second relic. Yes, so kind of like the 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 weaker relics. Yeah, but the fact that you can have both, it's nice. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I also like the first one, Vin- Vigilance Incarnate. You pick a Death Watch core unit within six inches, and they get to to basically use you know do a Xenos Hunters against a different battlefield role. I like that. And then the nice thing about both that one and the Nowhere to Hide Aura ones is you pick that unit in command phase, so you only have to be within the six inches. Then, then your character can go off one way, the unit can go off another way. And do their thing because that's some of them have that same aura built in. I was like, why is this the aura? But yeah, you tell them do it. You move your aura elsewhere, and they can still do it. Yeah, it's the idea. It's like I have I have instructed my team to go forward and kill that thing. I'm going to go over here. You do that thing again. Really good way to represent that on the tabletop. And really, I think you know, character wise, there's not a lot to mention. You've got your your watchmaster, which is basically the equivalent of a chapter master, sort of. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really the, the equivalent of a captain, I suppose. Yeah. Well, he's got the cool, like, uh, yeah, he, they he's changed the it. master. Because they changed it because it's no longer a guardian spear. It's a visual spear, I think, for them. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, like, he's got the cool, like, guardian spear, like a custodian has, and then, um, you know, provides all the rerolls and basically does the does the the equivalent of what you know a chapter master captain does yeah and then you know we have a named watch captain you're like where's the generic watch captain well it's the captain in the space marine book and that's one thing you're if you are already playing death watch you're gonna have to kind of retool your thinking and that like a lot of the character stuff is going to be in a different book and mm-hmm. they did update, you know, they did put caveats in that book to say, like, hey, these characters can take Xenophase swords, for example. Well, it's not just the characters are in a different book. It's the characters are in a different book and they're named differently. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's and fair. And I, I did not like that with both these books because Space Wolves are even worse than, than <laughs> Death Watch is about having things named differently. Yeah, there is that. And unfortunately, there's no... Um, like, you know, a lot of the units in the Space Marine book, like, oh, it's a bike unit. Well, if you're Raven Guard, or not Raven Guard, if you're, uh, De- if you're Dark Angels, they have Raven Wing, for example. Or if they're Terminators, they have the Deathwing keyword. Yeah. I'd kind of like on the captains if they said, yeah, if it's a, uh, if you're Death Watch, they had gained the Watch Captain keyword. Although I don't think anything keys off of it, so it doesn't really matter. 
but that's it, the point. Yeah, nothing it, keys off of it. Well, and even well, watch like, cap. Watch Captain yeah. Artemis has the he has his name as a keyword, but he also has the captain keyword. Yeah, he's just a captain. So, he's just a yeah. captain. And then you've got the named uh, ch- you've got the named chaplain and uh, librarians from Kill Team Cassius, which is ch- Chaplain Cassius and Codicier Notorian. Yeah, I love the designer's note on Cassius because he's obviously in the Ultramarines Codex as well, and they mention that like. Uh, see, this data sheet is intended to re- represent Chaplain Cassius at an earlier point in his life than the data sheet presented in Codex Supplement Ultramarines. As such, if you want to field a thematic Death Watch army, we recommend it does not contain both this unit and Primaris units. See, so I, I kind really, of funny. I dig that. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I like that. That's good. I'm going to violate it because, like, I'd rather have him and then still put in all the good Primaris stuff. But like, it's a good <laughs> like des- It's a good designer note. <laughs> yeah, it is. And then, yeah, you've got the Death Watch veterans, which that's where the toys mostly reside for yeah. this, like all the all the unusual weapons. And there still is a Black Shield option, which in the fluff, the Black Shield is is a somebody who's joined the Death Watch not because they're just on loan, but because they've failed in some critical fashion and so their chapter is stricken from their shoulder pad and they are basically you know dedicating their life to the death watch and they're going to they're going to die in the death watch and they used i believe they used to have because i've got the old codex here so they used to get like more attacks i think was the big thing like because they were kind of more of the like um yeah like um they had they had the same number of attacks as a sergeant, and they could heroically intervene like characters. Like if yeah. you had a a black shield. And I believe the heroically intervene is a stratagem now. Because I did read that, that there is still a way to do it. I- I'm just happy that the black shield, because when it first came out, I could build it with a power fist and a storm shield. And then in the second iteration, I couldn't anymore. I'm like, oh, that's bum. But now, once again, I can build my... Um, Black Shield with the Power Fist and Storm Shield, which is a great combo. Yeah, it definitely is. Atonement through Honor, Stratagem on uh, on the first page. Atonement through Honor, Death Watch Epic Deed Stratagem. Use a stratagem on your opponent's charge face. Select one Death Watch unit from your army that contains a Black Shield. That unit can perform a heroic intervention this phase as if it were a character. Okay, okay. All right. so it was there. I, I, I remember seeing it somewhere, and I'm like, I don't remember if it was a stratagem. Or if it, it, it was makes, one of the rules on the kill teams, but yeah. It, it makes sense to make it a stratagem. Yeah, unit. yeah. I, I I think it'd be one of those things where, like, if the unit contains a black shield, it has the black shield keyword would have been nice. You know, a, just a cleaner way to present that, but yeah, it's fine. But yeah, uh, yeah, The de- if the black shield has two melee weapons, it, it gets more, you know, one additional attack. Mm-hmm. And he's got a weapon skill of two now, which is an improvement over the uh, previous codex. So the Black Shield really wants to die in close combat. Yes. God, it reminds <laughs> me of Lone Wolf. Yeah, very much. Uh, and then we've got Kill Team Cassius, which is just kind of like the prototypical uh, mixed unit kill team. Uh, and then you've got Death Watch Terminators, which are Terminators. Yeah. I'm, n- I'm not sure why they made them... Well, it's it's so that they can take mixed uh, mixed weaponry because you either have assault terminators or you have ah, fair fair. Well, yeah. So it's and it's, the Death Watch yeah. teleport Homer. That's true. Yeah, and there's a, there's a few other things like the um, 
Don't they have like the hand flamer option still? Maybe not. No, nah, they've just just that one guy. Only, in- yeah, I guess it's only the one guy. I know at one point they had it where like death any Death Watch Terminator could take that. But yeah, I guess not now. But yeah, it's so that you can take mixed assault uh, and regular weaponry in a in a Terminator squad, which is good. Like to clean it up and just make it a little bit easier to to make sure that it's all on the same page. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the, on the veteran bike squad, like uh, the thing there is the veteran biker sergeant can be equipped with one of the following: a shotgun, a stalker pattern bolt gun, or up to two items from the Death Watch equipment list. Which does include the various de- like a Death Watch bolt gun. So if you wanted to give him special ammunition, you could. Okay. Yeah. And I, I do. I would be remiss if we skipped the Corvus Black Star, which is their flying transport, which is still a pretty cool vehicle. It is like the coolest vehicle model in the game, in my opinion. Like it is just awesome. Uh, and I still don't understand why it can it can take Terminators and Vanguard veterans, but not Primaris Marines. It can take bikes. You yeah, can you have take a bikes, bike, but, you, but yeah. not Primaris. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm with you there, Kevin. And <laughs> it's a wonderful model. It's fun to use on the table, and it's you can use it to transport or shoot. And although transport's actually, I think viable since there's yeah. a stratagem that lets it not be shot at unless it's the closest thing. So you yeah. can have that turn to go deploy. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a cool model. I love that it's unique to them. Like I think it's. Unlike every other flyer in the game, it actually looks like it could fly. Um, <laughs> like, it's every other Imperium flyer. <laughs> but, like... I know what you meant. Yeah. But, like, it's... Uh, yeah, it's just such a cool model. Like, uh, it's... it's Yeah. <laughs> also, it's pointed very well. It's, like, the closest thing I would compare it to would be, like, a Storm Raven. Mm-hmm. And it's not even close. A Storm, Storm Raven costs, like... 310 points and that's without you know putting like hurricane bolters or las cannons on it and the chorus black star costs 180 yeah that goes up 15 if you add a hurricane bolter but you can replace it like it's twin assault cannon with a twin las cannon for free (laughs) yeah like it's it's It's, just yeah it's really good (laughs) yeah so, I mean, definitely a recommended vehicle to put in. But, again, you're not limited to just, you know, that vehicle or that flyer. It's like, you want Land Raiders, you want Repulsors, yeah. you want Gladiators, Predators. You've got access to all the all the heavy weaponry. Um, you want a uh, Thunderfire Cannon for your uh, Death Watch Army? You can do that. Yeah. Oh, uh, those are too much of a pain to put together. I, I don't <laughs> disagree with you. But yeah, having yeah. they've ex- massively expanded the amount of options that you have for building this army, just out, even outside of what's in this supplement. But also, because none of them are going to get the benefits that you have from this, other than they will benefit from the chapter tactic, which is still yeah. good. I mean, honestly, Death Watch is it's going to be a really neat army to see people build and play. Yeah, because there's. Like, I don't know if there's going to be one right way to play it. And being able to, like, define so much of your army at the time of deployment is right. huge. Yeah, I am I will be interested to know, and I assume since it's done during the list building, that the uh, Kill Team Specialums, special, special, yeah, Specialisms, 
I hate when they make up words. Um, <laughs> the kill team specialisms, I assume you're going to have to do those at list building, so you won't be able to change them at the table, um, like at an event or whatever, and change in between games. But still, like that extra flexibility and like those extra bonuses that they do, like it's it's really cool. It's a really cool way to to build this army. As I mentioned, probably I think off recording, um, this reminds me a lot of Eldar. Where mm-hmm. the one of the things I loved about Eldar that got me into the most the flexibility of okay my banshees are my assault unit the dark reapers are my long range unit the fire dragons are my I need to kill this now unit and each unit had its specialized role and Death Watch is taking that and and running with it because like you just noted you have to declare your specializations ahead of time and so you're kind of building out what those roles, specialized roles for your units will be at list building. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it makes me feel like Eldar because you can build it so many different ways based on what you either, if you know your opponent, what you're going to do or just things to try out that you like. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's, I think there's a ton of flexibility in this army and it's, it's going to be fun to play. Mm-hmm. Or even it's like in a competitive setting, if you know what the field is primarily going to be like, oh, yeah, we're seeing a lot of Necrons. You know the meta, you mean? <laughs> yeah, if you know the meta, right. it's like, yeah, if you know there's going to be a lot of Necrons, which Necrons got a starter all. box, they're probably good right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and apparently they've been actually doing pretty well at, at what events have been running. So I believe that. Yeah. Uh, but at this, but I, I really do say like, while I do think. Death Watch is definitely bumping up a number of spots on like where it ranks competitively. This army is just going to sing in Crusade play. I mean, this oh is, for sure, yeah. I mean, I could see somebody just playing. You know, it's kind of a, a throw together campaign over a series of a few weeks, like one friend playing Death Watch and another friend playing some Xenos army, and just like. You know, the telling the tale of like we're trying to stop this Xenos incursion or whatever these this you know this or that army are doing at this particular junction in space time. Let's build some you know tactical surgical strike teams to to try to stop them. And you know, like all the armies, they're they're getting access to you know to, they've got their own crusade specific sections, which layer on top of and exist side by side with the Space Marine ones. Mm-hmm. So, I just really, really dig this. Oh, also, speaking of uh, matched play rules, uh, their uh, their new uh, secondary objectives. So, for oh, example, yes. Yeah. yes, Battlefield Supremacy, the Long Vigil. Score five victory points at the start of your command phase. If there are no enemy units within six inches of your deployment zone and there's at least one Death Watch unit from your army wholly within your deployment zone, can't score it first battle round. Uh, purge the enemy, cull order. If you selected this secondary objective, then after both sides have finished deploying, starting with your opponent, both players alternate, alternate selecting battlefield roles from the units in their opponent's army until three different battlefield roles have been selected. If their opponent's army does not include any units with three battlefield roles, select as many as possible. At the end of the battle, for each battlefield role that was selected, score five victory points if every enemy unit in your opponent's army with that battlefield role has been destroyed. Whew. So surgically striking. Yes. Yeah. Um, Shadow Operations Cripple Stronghold. Uh, if you've selected this secondary objective, after both sides have finished deploying, your opponent must select one objective marker on the battlefield to be the location of their stronghold objective marker. 
And if any objective markers are wholly within your opponent's deployment zone, one of these must be selected to be the stronghold objective marker. So they have to select one in their deployment zone, if at all possible. Um, if you selected the secondary objective, then Death Watch infantry units have the following action. Uh, cripple Stronghold. One Death Watch infantry unit from your army can start to perform this action in the end of your movement phase if it's within range of the Stronghold objective marker and no enemy units excluding aircraft are within range of it. The action is completed at the start of your next command phase so long as the unit performing the action is still within range of the same objective marker. Score six victory points each time a unit from your army successfully completes this action. Which again, like you can, there are ways to to make it so that you can perform actions and still like shoot and do other things in this army. So that could be really cool. <laughs> yep. And then no mercy, no respite gets suffer not the alien score victory point at the end of the battle for each enemy Xenos unit. So again, you know those f- various keywords: unit destroyed by a Death Watch unit from your army during the battle. That one's almost an auto take if you're playing. If you're playing against the Xenos Army, you just take that one. Yeah, don't don't auto take. Don't take it if you're not playing against the Xenos Army. That's not going to do you good against chaos or something. Right. But <laughs> well, what's the maximum you can get on a secondary objective? Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. What if they don't have fifteen units? Then you don't get the maximum on it. Because okay. like that's because so maybe the, it's not an auto take. Well, sure, but like that's the thing with like <laughs> with several of those secondary objectives and stuff like that is that yeah you might not be able to max out all of them but some of them are easier to take like there's one yeah this one's pretty you know yeah so like no you might not be able to max that out every game but like that might be a solid like 10 points every game so one think about like some armies you know will have you'll have an easier time than others but i'm like for example the tau list that we reviewed last episode with all the drones that would because when those drones get deployed they make their own units it's like Here's a here's this stealth team with two drones. Well, that you just drop two units, and a couple of them are going to be really easy to kill. So, like you could met like with the right army on on the other side of the field. Yeah, you could easily max that out. Yeah, but but something like purge the enemy that that one maybe not an auto take, but that one's a very just general purpose because yeah. unless you're playing Imperial Knights. Or, you know, unless you're playing, you know, something like that where there's really only one battlefield role. But most armies should have at least three because they're going to have HQs. They're going to have troops. And generally, they'll have, like, an elite or something like, uh, you know, even it's just a support characters or something. Right. Long Vigil is going to be a tricky one. And Shadow Operations is going to require you to get across the board and do a thing multiple times. That's going to be the hardest one to pull off. Yeah. Yeah. But it is nice to see that there's different, that there are different objectives, like different flexibility with it. So, like, I, I, I like them. I don't know that I would use, there's a couple of them I don't know I would use as often, but there's two of them that I think that, yeah, would get used quite frequently. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, all told, I really think that, uh, I really feel like they nailed the feel of Death Watch with this supplement. Like, they really got it right. I was, I'll admit, I'll admit this, I was really worried they were going to screw this up, because not that the other supplements have been bad, and, like, because they've been good, like, they've all, like, done good jobs with the fluff and, like, with the feel, but, like, Death Watch is so different than every other army that, like, I was a bit concerned that they were going to, like, lose more of the fluff and more of the feel of the army than they did, and I... 
I think they've done an excellent job with this. Like I, I'm really happy with this with this supplement. And I, I will echo what Kevin said and then repeat some of what he said earlier is I think they did lose some of their Death Watch feel, but I think they gained a better way to incorporate Primarius into the feel of Death Watch and still make it feel like Death Watch is part of Adeptes Astartes. Yes. And so I think in the end, they've done a good job of reigning Death Watch in, but letting it still feel special. Absolutely. I yeah, de- definitely a flavor win for sure. And I, I, li- I like the little things like, hey, use this stratagem to make this unit play like this chapter or your warlord acts like he's from this chapter. I th- Stuff like that. Those little bits and pieces really help bring the feel of like, this is how this army is made in the storyline and, and bring them to the tabletop. And again, will they be the good competitive choices? Eh, probably not. Yeah. The strat I think will be, cause like the strats, one of those things just to have in your pocket at all times. Cause some of the, the chapter tactics for like first founding chapters are really good, especially now that they've expanded them. Yeah, for sure. You know, you're talking about, you know, we're going to have a unit of eradicators hold this objective and we need to make sure that like, you know, they're doing an action and they used their a strat to shoot um, or, you know, they used a, a or, a, a, you know, they had a warlord come by and you, you know, allow them to shoot. Uh, but, you know, they're going to take some fire. Well, guess what? They're iron hands this turn and they shrug <laughs> off wounds on sixes. I mean, that's that's great. So, yeah. I think they, they did a really good job. And yeah, it, it was concerning when it's like, oh yeah, we're rolling Death Watch into the main book. Oh, that could be bad. But it wasn't. You know, they've they've done a good job and I don't... Uh, now that said, it's like they have access to all those toys. And I, and I said before, like those new units they can bring in won't necessarily benefit from all the other Death Watch stuff. But it's really good to be able to not feel that constrained or explain why, like, oh, yeah, well, when I was with the Ultramarines, we knew how to pilot a tank, but now we don't. Right. Or we can't requisition <laughs> a Predator. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why Why not? Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Like, that, just being able to add in Predators and Land Raiders and some of these other things, like, the, the, the thing that Death Watch lacked before was it decidedly lacked heavy support options like you had a little bit of it with like the the frag cannon and things like that but you didn't have like if you were death watch and you were going up against an imperial knight you really didn't have a lot to do against it now you can you can cover that by taking any of those vehicles or any of those really heavy things or dreadnoughts and stuff like that to like fill out and provide much more variety to to the the what this army can actually take on Mm mm-hmm and also having the, you know, we've got the, you know, the problem was they couldn't take any real heavy weapons, you know, in yep. in their main, like, troop units. And now because the uh, Premier side has been so fleshed out, you can now do things like bring in Eliminators or Eradicators into... Or just, into or a, just drop a in a Devastator team. squad now, right? No, like, you, no can't oh, do you Devastators. Can't, you can't do Devastators? Okay. Devastators, devastators right, is one yeah. of the ones they can't... They can't take, yeah, like, okay. the traditional three, but... Still, being able, yeah. to, having access to the Premier's versions of them is actually pretty good. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, and that takes us to the end of the show, and so we'll wrap it up with a, a little bit of hobby progress. Um, I have broken my painter's block, like, in a serious way. 
Uh, I don't know what it was, but like I had models sitting on my bench for about a month and a half, like partly finished. And I, one of them was a commission piece. I was work painting up uh, Fabius Bile and his Surgeon Acolyte for uh, for our friend Crew at our local game store. And I just stalled out. I don't know what happened, but uh, well, the world has happened over the last month or so. But finally, like I just sat down and I said, I'm just... I'm just going to do it. I'm going to start painting. And I knocked out the Fabius Bile in like two days. I knocked out the Surgeon Acolyte in one day. And I'm really happy with how they turned out. He's really happy with how they turned out. And since then, I have painted my my Warcry Iron Golems band, Warband. And I'm in the process of getting making some real progress on my Daughters of Cain for Age of Sigmar. So I have just somehow like kicked out the jams in the last couple of weeks. So I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling really good about painting again. So with, and with winter coming up, I won't be able to go outside much. Not that I go outside with pandemic anyway, but uh, it'll be good to make some progress on this army that has been sitting on my bench for the last like two years. So I'm going to burn, I'm actually burning through my pile of shame some more. So that's, that's a good feeling. What's that like? I just keep adding to my pile of shame. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so I did pre-order the new uh, Age of Sigmar box that has, like, uh, Daughters of Cain oh, versus Slaanesh. Yeah, the, yeah. So I'm adding to, to my, my pile of shame. I've uh, I've picked up more Necron stuff. I picked up the uh, Void Dragon, Satan Shard, and the Silent King. The, uh, the Void Dragon is an amazing model and, like, just went together so easily. Um, I haven't started working on the Silent King yet because I know that Richard, you said that there was some issues that it was a harder model to assemble. Uh, and when I went to the GW store to talk to up them, they they also mentioned that yeah, there's a few tricky spots on it. So I'll probably try to knock that out in the next week or so, and then actually like start spraying and and base coating things and picking out a uh, a color scheme for my Necrons. Yeah, I I have not like. The, the box just kind of looms at me like I'm I have not attempted yet <laughs> on the Silent King. Oh, OK. Yeah. So I, I've heard that. Have you did you pick up a uh, Luminar Zeris? N- no, I have not. OK, so Luminar Zeris is probably the worst model I've had to assemble in the last like five years. Like it's 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 a really cool model, but it is really finicky and it's not super intuitive basically from what i understand the silent king is like kind of in the middle between like xeris which was incredibly hard and the void dragon which was like three steps easy you know uh that it's like kind of a a somewhere in the middle on that so it'll be a challenge but i'm looking forward to it okay i guess for me i got I didn't go as painting crazy as Rob did, but it's good to hear that you're, you're back on it. Um, I, I did finish out my, um, I guess, Daughters of Cain, um, Underworlds, not Tribe, Warband. And then I kind of waited until this weekend when I picked up the Space Wolf, Death Watch, and the Forge World Codexes or Supplements. And decided to start working on putting together the things that... We're still outstanding for Death Watch and Space Wolves, and well, I started with Space Wolves, so I've been working on Space Wolf aggressors and got those done tonight. Cool, nice. I have 
still been busy, quite busy at work, and I have gotten all the grand total of putting together one Locust Heavy Destroyer. Hey, that is something. That is yep. progress. And you yep. have been swamped, so yeah. that is totally fine. I believe that means you don't have to eat a hat this week, so there's that. No. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we still do hat eating? No. <laughs> I was going to say, we were tired. No. You, you would have eaten quite a few hats, sir. <laughs> hey, stop. Dude, stop. Your stomach would be an entire haberdashery. Dude, stop calling me out, man. It's not, it's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll make you feel better with the morale phase. So, uh, and uh, this time uh, I wanted to talk about a series that uh, I can't say discovered because it's actually been out for a couple of years, but it recently got moved to Netflix. Netflix picked it up and has actually picked up the next two seasons or greenlit paying for them. And that is Cobra Kai. Now, if you are unfamiliar with Cobra Kai, you need to go back to a little 80s movie called The Karate Kid. Starring uh, Ralph Macchio and uh, Pat Morita and uh, William Zabka. And if that name doesn't sound familiar, that's because the villains in movies hardly ever get top billing. But uh, basically in that movie, which, to be fair, I had not actually seen before watching Cobra Kai. My partner was very disappointed in me because we both grew up in the 80s. I, I, repeat that again. Sorry. Re- repeat that again for everyone. That he grew up in the 80s? No. No. I, which, that. I mean, that's bad enough. Um, no. Uh, so I had never seen The Karate Kid. Now, I knew enough of the story beats of Karate Kid, you know, because it's, it's one of those movies that's just yeah, worked its yeah. way into popular culture enough. That, like, everyone kind of knows the yeah, you know yeah. sweep the leg Johnny and the crane kick and you know wax on wax on wax, wax on wax off, off. E- yeah. exactly right. so it's like everybody knows that and they know that at the end Ralph Macchio you know playing Daniel Daniel LaRusso wins the karate tournament against the Cobra Kai dojo and with an illegal kick with it with an illegal <laughs> kick to the face which is you know. Uh, which gets brought up several times, by the way. <laughs> but uh, all the rest of the movies have pretty much covered, well, this is what happened to this the Daniel's further adventures. And then just kind of left off when he, like, entered, like, the beginnings of adulthood. So this this series fast-forwards about 37 years and is not focused at... I don't want to say at all. It is not focused primarily on Daniel. It isn't focused... Instead, focused on Johnny, the guy who was told to sweep the leg and who got the illegal kick to the face, and how his life has completely fallen apart ever since losing that one karate tournament. And kind of his path to redemption, because like a new kid moves into his apartment complex and he is just working odd jobs as like a handyman, but uh, he's at the local convenience store picking up. like just picking up some booze for the night and this local kid Miguel is picking up some Pepto-Bismol for his grandmother and local high school bullies start giving Miguel crap and beating like start assaulting him and they push him onto Johnny's car which he's driving a 1980s like red firebird and he is like he is firmly stuck in the 80s but uh he's like hey watch the car and they're like, what are you going to do about it, old man? And he proceeds to wipe the floor with all of them. 
<laughs> and it leads to him promising to teach uh, Miguel karate and in kind of a reversal of what happens in the original Karate Kid, where, you know, Mr. Miyagi taught Daniel uh, karate so he could protect himself from bullies. And so he ends up restarting the Cobra Kai dojo. And the show actually gets into some of the further storylines from like Karate Kid 2 and 3. But then it also focuses on Daniel LaRusso, who has become an extremely successful car dealership owner and uses his karate as like, hi, I slap, you know, I chop prices and I give bonsai trees to all our new customers and stuff like oh, that. God. <laughs> yeah, it's like he, he's. <laughs> You know, so he this is like his image, and he's become extremely successful, and Johnny has not. And there's a a long simmering rivalry that keeps coming up as they keep crossing paths. And there's a lot of drama involving their kids and other kids at school, and it's it's a really interesting deconstruction because on the one hand, Johnny is still a little bit of an asshole who's stuck in the eighties. <laughs> and he's he's stuck with that very old 80s style view of like masculinity and machismo and how to pick up girls and what you like and and how to approach things and I'm just going to kind of fight my way through everything and you know strike hard strike fast no mercy but he's also he starts growing as a person and trying to become better and it's like I said, it's a very interesting deconstruction of that eighties underdog. Like what happens when the bad guy from the, you know, from the original story is now the underdog and you actually, they, they replay a number of scenes from karate kid in one episode, but how, and you know, they're replaying the scenes, but Johnny's providing the narration and telling how he viewed the things that happened at the time. And you start realizing and I had not realized this because one of the, the downsides of not having seen Karate Kid is that I thought that, you know, the story is Daniel's like this new kid and he's just getting constantly harassed and beat up. And what you <laughs> learn is, no, Daniel was starting some crap, too. Yeah, D Daniel, like, Karate Kid is a unique, is a... So I, I always really like the ones, the, the, uh stories that, like, deconstruct or take a different look at a, a classic story that everyone's familiar with. Karate Kid is uniquely positioned in such a way that, like, no, like, to be fair to Danny, they try to kill him because he, like, talked to the one guy's girlfriend. Like, right. that's or not an girlfriend, yeah. Ex-girlfriend. So that's not an appropriate, like, retaliation at all. Although, to be fair, at the time, like, they started some crap with him, and he punched, he did punch them first. Right, yeah, he is not, they, they escalated the situation, but, like, he instigated it. So, like, it's a very easy story to look at and go, wait a minute, no, if we're, if you take away the, uh, you know, you're the best around song and some of the montages and, and those things, and you look at it from a different perspective, yeah, Danny's kind of a jerk. So it's a very easy story to go back and revisit that way. Yeah. You know, I will say I did not, re that song always seems like a parody of actual 80s montage <laughs> it music. It really does. But it, it's it's real. Oh, God, it's so real. I couldn't believe they were actually playing it during the tournament. So, oh, it's so great. <laughs> so so when, when my partner found out that I had not seen it, she made me promise, like, okay, we're going to watch the first season, and then you are renting Karate Kid, and we are going to watch it so you now have a better frame of reference. And honestly, I'm glad I watched it after 
having watched the first season of Cobra Kai because I got to watch the movie with a better understanding of the psychology of both of these characters. Yeah. Like where they were in adulthood and how and where this rivalry came from and how they how they acted and you get to see how like the difference in how you know you really appreciate the difference in how Mr. Miyagi trained Daniel versus how Crease trains Johnny and how they approach things and like even that the fact that in like Karate Kid at the end like some of the kids in Cobra Kai are like apologize like like one of them dislocates uh like or like hurts um his uh, Daniel's knee during the tournament mm-hmm. and then like immediately apologizes to him because he's yeah. like well, no they made me do it and something like another little bit I didn't even realize and you you'll miss it is at the very end of Karate Kid like I thought the movie was going to have like just an actual like ending after the tournament but it ends as soon as he wins the trophy yeah and there's a a bit where you hear Johnny say hey LaRusso you're 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 all right like well, they they are very briefly friends at that moment Karate Kid 2 begins with Miyagi and Daniel beating up them at, like getting jumped by them in the parking lot so like the next movie like completely undoes that immediately. Well, well yes <laughs> yeah. and no, but actually it's what the the movie the second movie starts with and I did some research and this is actually how the first movie was supposed to end but they decided to trim it but they reshot it for the second movie is Kreese mm-hmm. beating the crap out of Johnny for losing. Oh, like that's, that's his, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Breaking right. his trophy. So it's oh, like, that's that's, right. yeah. that's why. And so Johnny has some PS, PTSD about all this, too. For sure. And, yeah. and this comes in heavily during second season. I don't want to give too much away. But so I definitely recommend, you know, watch Karate Kid. You might want to wait to watch it until after Cobra Kai, unless you are completely unfamiliar with Karate Kid. But first season is excellent. Second season is really gets into what are the repercussions and the echoes of this rivalry and, and can you move forward and what does it do to the people around you? And then it ends on like a, a big, not even a cliffhanger, but like a, just a big OMG moment. And Mm -hmm. third season starts in January, like January 8th. So now is actually a really good time to watch it because by the time after you get through it, it'll be just about time for watching season three. So I have two questions to follow up on this. Where does the next Karate Kid with Hilary Swank play into this? And how does the remake with Jaden Smith play? Like, are they in the same universe or? Okay, so next Karate Kid would technically be in the same universe. I, yeah. <laughs> and while the Jaden Smith one does not, you know, is not. Right. Yeah. Uh, Will Smith is actually an executive producer. Really? Yes. That's, Along that's with wild. Ralph Macchio and William Zabka. Oh, God, they're going to try to cross it over in season three and get his kid another job. Acting. Oh, no, no, please. Don't. Uh, <laughs> OK, I want I do also want to say um, I'm glad I didn't see Karate Kid until I was an adult, although I recommend like teenagers see it now for a scene that I did not expect to see. And it's a very brief scene, but basically it really addresses the Japanese internment camps. Yes, and I like to see a movie address that in the eighties is really cool to see. And so I I was not prepared for that, and I thought it was very cool that they they did talk about that. And uh, Pat Morita did actually spend time growing up. He he wasn't old enough to go into the army in real life, but he did. Like he actually had like 
he got really sick as a two-year-old kid and he spent like nine years in Shriners hospitals. And then as soon as he was well enough to like get up and walk again, they sent him right to the internment camps. <sighs> so that had to suck. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think it just addressed it in a really respectful and meaningful way. And so I, I really appreciated that. And so, yeah, it's, it, Cobra Kai, fantastic series, highly recommend it. It used to be on YouTube. It was like the thing that got people to sign up on YouTube Red. And it has since moved to Netflix. And Netflix is now funding it. And we're going to get two more seasons at least. So definitely check it out. Yeah, I am curious. I I remember seeing the commercials for it when it originally came out on, what was it, YouTube Red? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think. And, uh, you know, I remember I have fond memories of the movie but like it has been like practically since the 80s since i have seen said movie and i i would be interested i i think i'll probably get around to at whenever i have time to actually do things again <laughs> watch give, give it a watch and i think i will like watch the first season and then go back and watch the movie again as kind of like a refresher but i'll i'll, I'll do it in that order yeah, and like I said, not having seen like I didn't have any problem following what was going on, not having seen Karate Kid, but it definitely helps. And you can rent. I don't think Karate Kid itself is on Netflix, but you can rent it on Amazon for like three or four bucks. It's not bad. Ah, uh, cool. And, and you can go. You can get it in Ultra HD. Like that matters for a movie from the mid eighties. But <laughs> yeah, but you can, and it's the same price, so why not? But uh, no, it. I would definitely recommend checking it out and doing it in that order, I think is actually a really good way to do it. Uh, we have not watched Karate Kid 2 or 3, although apparently Daniel may be going back to Okinawa in season 3, so maybe you should watch Karate Kid 2 at some point. So Karate Kid 2 is a good sequel. Karate Kid 3 can best be ignored, and like I said, the next Karate uh, Kid in the I will say, never really happened. <laughs> I will say in season 2, they reference Karate Kid 3 as an integral part of the plot. Sure, but it's not a good movie. I wouldn't I recommend. Did. I'm people not go claiming that it. it is. <laughs> I wouldn't so, recommend people go watch it. It's a bad movie. <laughs> but they are treating it as canon, and actually, re- they replay yeah, a couple of brief yeah. scenes from it. So yes, it, it it's a thing. Yeah. No, it's canon. It's just bad. <laughs> yeah. Unlike, say, Highlander. There's only <laughs> one Highlander bad. movie. Well, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Um. There's there is actually a Highlander three that wasn't too bad. I don't know what happened with the counting there, but. If you the same thing with Final Fantasy games, right? Kind of, except I don't think we can blame a, a Japanese to American re-release <laughs> for that. Uh, but anyway, on that note, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. So uh, yeah, next week or no, so yeah, next episode we'll be looking at Codex Supplement Space Wolves. But until then, from all of us here at Preferred Enemies, I'm your host Rob, Kevin, Dennis, and Richard. Good night, good gaming, and sweep the leg, Johnny!
Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.